Hey, this is Katie. Welcome to the Writability Podcast. I am here today with JD. JD, you want to introduce yourself? Yes. My name is JD Garza. I work at the COS Hanford campus. I am a CTE Career and Academic Success Coordinator. I am an alumni to the college. I graduated in 2011 with my associate degree in communication after jumping to Humboldt State and then later on Fresno Pacific for my master's degree. I've been working for College of the Sequoias for about six years now. So today we're going to talk about resumes. So I want to start with sort of personal questions. What didn't you know starting out with resume writing? As a student, having just graduated from high school, I wasn't really required to use a resume. So can I say I didn't know anything? Yes. To go from knowing nothing to teaching how to use it, it's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, you know, so my first interaction with a resume and creating a resume was my senior capstone class in my undergrad. I know for me, my struggle thing that took me a long time to realize was like that I needed to adapt them to different jobs. I thought I just like had a resume and could pass the same thing out to everybody I talked to. For some reason, academics like CVs and not resumes, which a CV is like a resume without any length restrictions. <laughs> like you, you want it, mine was like four pages or something. Like you're supposed to list like everything you've ever done in your life, which is not the case with a resume. So I guess maybe we should even define a resume. What is a resume? Honestly, the easiest way to explain a resume for me is I like to just say it's a quick snapshot of your work history, if you have any work history, um, your skills and experiences that would pertain to a certain job. An example that I use of it is I don't watch a lot of sports, so maybe I totally do this wrong, but um, (laughs) I think about like the trading cards. Those trading cards have like stats and information about that football player or that baseball player. Your resume is kind of like that. But you don't want people to just collect your resumes. You want them to hire you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that because you have to decide on what your like important qualities are. So yeah, how do you decide what goes on a resume? So I think one of the things that that we need to look at is first, what industry we're wanting to go into. I know from experience working, one of my first jobs being in fast food, the emphasis on the fast was really important to the job. You know, so being able to work quickly, remember orders and multitask, it's looking at the industry and weighing in on what are the things that would make you successful in that industry. But a lot of times, one thing that some people aren't paying attention to is the job description. That is telling you is this is what we need you to do to be successful. When I think about what goes on a resume, it's going through that job description, getting a feel for the industry and pinpointing the things that relate to you. Yeah, I think the job description thing is a really important thing. Again, for jobs I was applying to, I was writing cover letters a lot of the time. And being like an English major, I'd be like, I need to use different creative language. I'll hit those things on that job description, but let me say it in different ways. And then at some point, someone was like, no, they're scoring those. Use that language so they can say, oh, yes, she has that minimum call or whatever. So I'm applying for a job. I have a job description. They ask for a resume. What's the first step? Really from there, a lot of people, I I think more often than not, uh, because like senior year, I I think it's more and more common now that seniors in high school are creating a resume. Mm -hmm. 
so they have something to refer to. Oftentimes, it's really just going and tweaking what you already have. But if we're talking from scratch, I like to just go and grab a piece of paper and start organizing based on what I think that a resume needs to look like for this position. A lot of the typical sections that we'll see are like objectives, skills sections, work experience, education, just to see one, just what it's going to start to form into. And then from there, I mean, there are plenty of templates that you can use. What's a template? Good question. A resume template is a resume that's already created for you that might already have words filled in for you to where you just go in and replace your words and your information. These are oftentimes good as references. So to go and look and see, okay, this is what a resume needs to look like. There's some trouble that you can get into with a a resume template. And when I say trouble, I don't mean that you're going to get like in trouble with anybody. One issue that I ran into once was using a template, but things being anchored into the document, meaning Mm -hmm. they're not going to be easily moved around. If you want your education at the top, but this template has education at the bottom, you might end up messing up the entire document. Other trouble is when you use a template, other people might be using that exact same template. Now we're looking at a cool template that you think stands out, but ends up looking exactly the same as somebody else. Yeah. I think the formatting generally is something that people sometimes forget about. Recently, my sister was making me read her resume for a job. I think the formatting had just gotten messed up when she emailed it. And I was like, Emily, I like love you, but do not submit this anywhere. Like you got to make it look pretty. And I feel like that's a hard thing because if you don't know things about like graphic organization and stuff, like it is kind of better to lean back on a template. It's, It's hard. It's a hard like balance with that. Yeah, it absolutely is. The thing about resumes, and maybe this is going like too far off into looking at history of a resume, you know, but Mm -hmm. when you think about it, resumes have been around for so long that the generations before us have been using and referring to what they see as the right resume. Mm -hmm. A lot of times as we're navigating as, dare I say, millennials navigating the workforce and even the generations after us millennials. Whatever that one's called. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, uh, millennials, we can't remember what the next generation is. We only want avocado toast. <laughs> but you walk a fine line as you're creating a resume and trying to put out your best self in the way that you want to see yourself represented. Um, but also, it makes me think of the phrase that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. The person that's looking at your document has their expectations. The reason I like this conversation so much is it's really what we say about all writing, right? Like this is one of those places y'all can connect what you're learning in your English classes to the real world. When we're writing in English, it's about your audience. You want to make your audience happy. You want to write for that context. And the same thing happens when you're writing a resume. You figure out what those rules are. And sometimes they're weird. Like what length do you normally tell students resumes should be? One page. And then if you go into higher ed like me, you will have a six page CV. That actually reminds me of a tip that I try to tell students. Like in college, if you're working towards a career, you should like keep a running list of things you do related to that career because sometimes that stuff goes into resumes. But yeah, one page, double-sided, one-sided. I reference just one-sided, one page. But whenever I tell students one page, I say that with an asterisk in order to 
say, you know, as you go through your education and as you start gaining more experience, my recommendation is if you're starting to go into a second page, we want to make sure that it's not just filled up with fluffy language or just things to make sure that it's a full page. We want every single dot, dash, and word in that document to be packed with a punch. So that way it's not just two full pages where the value of the two pages is the first quarter of it. Mm -hmm. Thinking more about just like the logistics of it, like any other kind of rules with like fonts or font sizes or colors Yeah, I know not everyone's like a journalism or marketing major, but what you're doing is marketing. We want this document to be clean and consistent. I like to say just nice to look at. I've been on quite a few interview committees. And one of the things is that reviewing resumes can be tedious. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm looking at a page that is just text. I want to be excited to look at this. So, and I'm not saying we need to go for like a wild font or anything like that. I think Times New Roman, Calibri, those are neutral fonts that I think everybody is used to seeing. To answer your question about colors, I think that too is something that you want to be mindful of. Black font is fine, but in creating your section headings and those being like your objectives or work experience, looking at that and figuring out ways to make that stand out a little bit more, because we want to try and guide the eye as the person is looking at it. When we're taught to read and read and write in English, we're taught reading from left to right, top to bottom. But those little markers, those section headings where your objectives would go, work experiences, when you have those at like a slightly larger font, or even everything else is black, but that font is like a navy blue, That's going to help it stand out a little bit more. So that way, if I'm looking at your resume and I want to just know about your work experience, I'm not reading through. I'm looking at your section heading. So make it easy for me to navigate. I will caveat that with if you are emailing your resume, make sure you have printed it and looked at it printed when you play with color and stuff like that. Because I've seen people before who like play with color and do like fills and stuff like that. And it looks beautiful. And then they print it black and white, like whoever you sent it to. And like suddenly that formatting's gone. And to that note, one of the things too, like printing it out just to have it in hand, looking at text on a screen is different from looking at text on a piece of paper. You may not be seeing some grammatical errors or some some formatting errors on the screen. What else content-wise do students need to know? One thing that I don't personally like to see, and I, I wouldn't say it's universal, but it's a good majority is speaking in I language. I me language, I do this, I clean the stalls or I clean the lobby area. Yeah, we already know it's about you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Your name's right at the top, or at least it should be. I like to think about um, this phrasing that I used in team building exercises. When I do a team building exercise with a group of students or a group of, I used to work at a summer camp, so a group of campers. When I'm doing that, at the end of it, I want to talk to the campers or the students about what it is that you experienced, right? So I start with the what. So what happened? And in the context of a resume, so what do you do, right? And so when I worked at McDonald's, I would clean the lobby. But then in that team building and debriefing exercise, beyond the what, I ask, so what? Why does that matter? Why is this important in the scheme of a resume? So what do you do? I clean the lobby. So what? Why does that matter to me? When you answer that question, having a clean lobby makes for a more welcoming environment for the customers to come into. 
when we're putting that into the language of a resume, I clean the lobbies to ensure a welcoming environment for customers to dine in. And that gives the what and the so what. And I think that by answering those two questions in what you're putting into your resume, specifically your work experience, I think that that is the equation that results in a skill. Because if all you tell me is what you do, then all you're telling me is that you do what's on your job description. And while that might be good enough, what employers are looking for is not good enough. We want someone that is willing to go above and beyond. I'm not trying to make anybody break their backs for an organization if they're not going to pay the accurate amount. But what I am trying to get at is going above and beyond to show that you care about the job duty itself and not just doing this for the paycheck. Yeah, that's, that's really great. I think one little tiny thing you said in there that I want to jump back into is just a reminder that like, we don't actually write complete sentences either in our resumes. A lot of times we use those bullet points and stuff. That's a place where reading templates and stuff helps because you can kind of get used to the language of how a resume sounds and look at samples to see how they're phrasing things because they won't just say, so like if you put clean the lobby of McDonald's, right? That doesn't help you if you're trying to work at a bank. But if you say something that's more about like creating a welcoming environment for customers or whatever, that might be applicable skill in a different place it becomes transferable. Yes, exactly. I I like that you brought that up. The transferable skills of a job is what we had talked about earlier too, as far as you're not just looking at the job description so you can tailor your resume to that job description, but you're looking at what you've done to tailor what you've done to the job. What if I've never had a job before? What do I put in my resume then? Yeah. So when we're looking at no work experience, there are three different types of resumes that you can create. There is the chronological resume, which is one that's a little bit more consistently used. And it's basically a resume that puts everything in time order for your work experience. And then there's a functional resume. So a functional resume is actually not so much about detailing out your um, work experience, but it's more so detailing out your skills I like to say that in a chronological resume, the meat of your resume is going to be your work experience section. In a functional resume, the meat of your resume is going to be your skills section, which details out how you've utilized skills. The third resume type that I was referencing is a combination resume, which simply put, is a combination of both the chronological, the time order, and the functional resume, which is focused on skills. Yeah, I can see that helping, focusing on the skills you have. (laughs) It makes sense. And I guess I didn't fully answer that question. So aside from that, I've been in the situation where personally, kind of just graduating from high school and being like, what skills do I have, you know? Right. But other things that you can think about putting into your resume are your experiences in working in volunteer capacities. Volunteering doesn't have to be going and working for a specific organization. It can be going and being a part of local churches that you might be a part of. If you've ever been youth sports coach or something like that, that is great experience to be able to include there. It can be a wide array of things from even going into a local bookstore or something and saying, is there something that I can do to help out? I'm just wanting to gain experience. I always put all the babysitting I did too. Even if it was babysitting my little sister, 
education experiences and babysitting stuff was stuff that definitely went on my resumes because even something like babysitting even if it's a sibling or something like that shows responsibility you don't actually have to say it's your sibling you you know you can word it in a way where you're I mean your mom might be the reference but like they don't know that yeah and even then so I know primarily because I work on the Hanford campus I work with industrial maintenance students, fire academy students, and police academy students. For example, the fire academy students, they, in order to get into the fire academy, have to complete their EMT course. Mm. Underneath your College of the Sequoias, you add in relevant coursework. You can put a nationally registered EMT. And so adding something like that. The other thing I see people struggle with was sending in a resume via email. I feel like that email is also very important, right? So what do we need to know about emailing a resume? One thing, I know you referenced it a little while ago, but I just, just for the sake of hitting the point home, we need to be mindful that formatting can be an issue when sending it to somebody else. You don't know what computer they're using. One thing that I like to do, I save my resume as a PDF. Me too, yeah. When you save it as a PDF, it sort of like saves the formatting from being altered in any way when they open it up. And the other thing too is if you have a word that you know you're not misspelling, but it's just like not a word. I'm using air quotes. When you use a word that might not technically be a word, but it is in your industry, the little squiggly line that says it's not a word on Microsoft Word. So on a PDF, you might be able to get rid of that. Side note, is there any studies about that in names? I would love a study about what it does when my last name gets a squiggly line on a resume when someone opens it in Word. You know what? I would be very curious. Now you're, you're going to make me go home and, and do some right. homework that. Cause my last name always gets the swiggly line. Yeah. And even when I think about it, like I know my last name as well, I, I typically see my name uh, with the red squiggly line. And so I wonder what the like racial sort bias of... and last name squiggly lines. Yeah. Oh my God. So to the students listening, if you're looking for a research project, I think that we can help you <laughs> somewhere there. Um, but just to wrap up that that last question about like when sending it in an email, oh, yeah. one, save it as a PDF. Two, when you're sending the email, we say, you know, you have to have a professional email. Um, making sure that your email address, the whatever at Gmail or whatever that you're using is going to be something that represents you in a professional way. Like I referenced my old email from when I was in high school using MySpace. My email was jdizzle underscore Garza, right? Yes. Probably not going to fly. I mean, it could be worse. (laughs) Yeah. But even in addressing the person that's receiving the email, hello, if you know their name, put their name, comma, enter, and please see attached for my resume. If you need to contact me, please use the information below and always have a signature at the bottom with your name and your contact information. All of this should be on your resume anyways, but just so that way they have it in a couple of different places. And that email right there where you're writing all that and not just being like, it's attached or whatever is so important. Like it's your first impression. 
So make sure like anything in a resume, you've proofread that, you've edited it, you've asked other people to read it. I'm sure me and JD both, the last times we've sent resumes and with those emails have made multiple people read it before we submit it, right? Like, yes. Any last tips? I suppose I'd just say what's super important about all of this that Katie mentioned is getting some additional folks to take a look at your resume and give you their opinion on it. If you have someone that's related to the field that you're applying to, that's definitely bonus points. And always, always refer to your career center uh, coordinators. Writing center does resume review and support there. So you have multiple resources of people who are trained uh, to help you with this. And uh, that's not just COS, that's uh, any university that you transfer to. Be sure to use those resources. If students want to find your contact or uh, career counseling contact at COS, how do they find that? Uh, so when you go onto the COS website, there is actually a tab right at the homepage that says careers on the homepage. And that will show you things from literally job speaker, what you can use to find jobs within the area, to career coach, which will help you find find out information about careers you want to go into, along with a resume generator on that. So career coach, super cool. And then you can find the contact information for us as well. This is awesome. I have not played with this part of the website. Awesome. Question I've been asking everybody at the end. What are you learning right now? What am I learning right now? Well, I'm learning that I, I maybe I, I don't need to say it, but I'll say it anyway. <laughs> I'm learning that planning a wedding is not just about the big things. It's about the small details. So I think that, and I'll translate that into any sort of event planning is not just about the big test that's coming up. It's the steps you need to take to get to that mm. big test. It's the steps that you need to take to get to that wedding. Which is especially confusing in COVID times. Yes. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm going to wrap this episode up. Thank you so much, JD, for your time. This is super cool. Um, and yeah, thanks for listening, everybody.